Let's pray together, church. Father, we come before you humbly, knowing that how great you are is on sings from our soul. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, asking, Lord, may your word, may your word have its way with us this morning. May we humble ourselves before your word. God, speak this morning. By your spirit, speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How y'all doing this morning? Good. All right. I thought you might say good. Somebody says, I'm really good. Somebody says, life is good. Uh, You got all kind of responses out there. Well, well, I was doing good. I was doing good in 2004, 2003 maybe. I was doing good. I was teaching a Sunday school class, helping with praise team for our youth group, helping in the youth ministry at our church. I was doing good, doing good. And then a friend and I who were involved in another Bible study group I was leading, uh, he said, why don't we do this book together? We would read a book and we'd come together and discuss some things. Why don't we do this book? I said, all right, what book? And he recommended a book called Desiring God. Some of you may have read it. Some of you may have not read it. On the first page I opened up, and I read this, and I wasn't doing good after I read this statement. It says, God's saving designs are penultimate. Not ultimate. First of all, I didn't know what penultimate meant, so I went to the dictionary and looked it up, and it meant secondary. Not primary. God's, de- God's saving designs are penultimate, not ultimate. Redemption, salvation, and restoration are not God's ultimate goal. I read that and my theology didn't like that statement because that's what I had believed I've been taught my entire life that God created everything to demonstrate to us how worthy we were for salvation and to save our souls. He continued. He performs these things for the sake of something else, something greater, namely the enjoyment he has in glorifying himself. Wait, I thought God made the universe, created the earth, created all of humanity just to save us. And that we were the center of all of his creation. I was not okay at that point. And I, it began me down a journey where I realized, I, I don't know if y'all have realized this yet. But the world is not about me. And in my Christian world, I thought God was all about me. And then I I began to read the Bible to back up my point and find Bible verses to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
See? It's about me. And then I kept reading. And I kept reading. And I talked with people who pointed me in a different direction to realize that God's ultimate desire did not have anything to do with me. I was penultimate. And it it took a shot at my pride and my arrogance. Salvation was not about me. It was about Jesus. And about God honoring and working all things together toward a greater end that didn't revolve around humanity. It revolved around divinity. In that season, I realized that I, I was worshiping a false view of God. Now, I, I don't think I was uh, a... a, a a heathen, a pagan, or an idolater per se. But I do say that I had a false view of who God is as revealed by his scripture. I needed correction. I had formulated and fashioned a God that wasn't the God of the Bible. And that was a big problem. I want to argue this morning that I believe much of the Christian culture today is in my shoes, 2003. There are so many people who take five to ten Bible verses, formulate a view of God, and live with it for the rest of their lives. And I dare say there may be some listening to me this morning who are in the 10V camp. I've got my 10 verses. Don't really need to learn anymore. I think I'm good. And so when you're asked, hey, how are you doing? You'll say what? Good. Got my 10 verses. I've got it figured out. I want to proclaim to you that since 2003, I have become a different person spiritually because I moved past my 10 verses and, and really began to dug in, not what do I want the Bible to say or what did, what did the pastor tell me the Bible said or what did my Sunday school teacher tell me the Bible said, but I began to read it and put together for myself What is the Bible saying? And I humbled myself before the Spirit of God to say, Okay, I I believe it now. God is not the God that I had formulated for many years in my life. With that said, what's our goal tonight, church? What's our goal? What's our goal? To reach out. Yeah, to reach out. I'm going to say that is our penultimate goal, Peyton. I think we have a more important goal. That's an important goal, and it's one of them. But I don't think it's our most important goal. 
I want to set the table for us as a church. We will be ministering to our community tonight. We'll be, we'll be speaking. And look, I don't know how many people will be here. There may be 100 people. There may be 500 people. We just don't know. But here's what I know. Every soul that the Lord wants to be here will be here tonight. And if there are 100 people here and we have five times as much an opportunity to talk with those 100 people than we do if there are 500 people, then let's be five times more prepared and five times more ready and intentional about reaching those 100 people that are here. And if there are 500 people here, let's be five times as active in working that much harder to communicate the main message that we want to communicate tonight. And the main thing that I want us to communicate tonight, church, is this. Who is God? Who is He? And the phrase that I want people to hear over and over and over is that Jesus is God and Jesus saves sinners that repent. That's the message our church is all about. And for people who aren't a part of church and who don't know the message of Jesus saving sin, they've, they've heard this probably many people, churched and unchurched. Jesus died on the cross. And I'm thankful that they've heard that. And you know what? Jesus did die on the cross. But if it stops there, it's just a historical fact. Jesus died on the cross to save sinners that will repent. Will you repent? And that's the broader message of Christianity. Now, now that's still just the surface, right? But it's a, it's a, it's a broader life raft for people looking for what's the whole point of the church anyway? And the point of the church is that we have a message that the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ saves sinners that repent. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead to save people from hell. And that's a more developed argument. And as much as we can say that to the people around us, whether it's tonight or tomorrow or whenever, Jesus Christ died on the cross to save sinners that repent from hell. And then we can just keep adding phrases if we like. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross, be buried, and rise again, that he might save sinners that repent from hell. Do you, do you see how that can work phrase by phrase? And this is who we are, church. Jesus said we're the light of the world. Not because we are the light like Jesus is the light, but because we reflect the light that Jesus is the light. We are the moon. We don't, we're not the source of light, but we sure do reflect it. And the fish love to see that moon. What are we sharing tonight? We should know what we're sharing. We are talking about the ten plagues to the community tonight. Escape from Egypt. We're, we're revolving everything about, around this redemption. <clears throat> that Jesus saves sinners that repent. And the redemption message is God saved his people from Pharaoh. 
We want to keep it simple. For younger minds that are here tonight, the, the itty bitties, God saved his people from evil. Jesus can save you. Do you know that? Here's your beanbag. Here's your candy. Jesus can save you from, from evil. Do you know that? Jesus is the Savior of the world. For those that are not the itty bitties, those that are going to throw the beanbag or medicine bottle so hard, you're going to have to go retrieve it from the hallway. Did you know that Jesus died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to face the penalty of death? Did you know that he, he redeemed a people from, from slavery, from Egypt, because God's nature is to save people? Did you know that about God? God is a God who is a saving God, and he did it through his son, Jesus Christ. These are simple truths. And for all the, the adults that are with us as well, parents entrusting their children to come and be a part of this church activity, they're listening. Did you know that nothing we can do can earn our salvation, but only trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and following him in his kingdom can bring us salvation? Jesus saves sinners that repent. This is our message. So Peyton, we want to tell everybody on campus, this is who God is. He's a God who sent Jesus Christ to save sinners that repent from hell. He brings redemption. Can we communicate that tonight, church? Can we do that? All right, let me give you a little bit of context tonight for what we're sharing. Let, let me start with, um, with a passage in Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. This is the, the crux of the message. We may not make it through all the plagues this morning. Just forgive me. Um, <clears throat> if we don't, I can give you my notes. Uh, we, can, we can do it again. The, the thing I really want us to get through is the why this morning. Why are we doing what we're doing? Exodus chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may worship me, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Let my people go, Pharaoh. And for a wilderness shepherd to come before the most powerful man in the world, that would be like one of our crawfish farmers walking into the White House and saying, Joe Biden, let my people go. Worship them. Worship me. It's crazy. Verse 2. But Pharaoh said, who is Yahweh? Who is Yahweh? Now, let me give you some context here of, of this. Egypt was a land full of gods. As Christians, we are monotheist. Mono meaning one. Theist meaning gods. Most of y'all know that. We believe there is one God. Now, we believe he is Father, Spirit, Son. Father, Son, Spirit. We believe that. 
He is three in one God, but he is one God who is more complicated than we are with our single being, right? But I digress. They believed in thousands of gods. They had a God of the river. They had a God of the insects. They had a God of the livestock. They had a God of the rain. They had a God of the sun. They had a God of the sky. They had a God of agriculture. They had a God for everything. So for Moses to walk up and say, let my people go, thus says Yahweh, thus says Yahweh, let my people go. Who is Yahweh? Who is Yahweh? I've never heard of him. Let me get my list out and I've seen, nope, nope, no Yahweh on my list. Who are you talking about? And if I don't know him, he's not important at all. Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? And then Pharaoh's very honest. I do not know Yahweh. And moreover, I won't let your people go. Why would the most powerful and important man on the earth listen to some crawfish shepherd anyway? This is my workforce. Look what they're building around me. I'm not letting your people go. Worship some God I've never heard of who hasn't made the list. And my list, as we all know, is the most important list of any list. I want to go back to that question. Who is Yahweh? Because that goes back to my problem circa 2003. Who is the Lord? Who is he? And as I'm asked that question, and as, as, as I read that page in that book, I thought, you don't know who God is, Mr. John. You don't know who God is, John. I do. And God is not that God that you're talking about. And I thought I was right. This morning, one of my hopes, I have two, two hopes this morning. One is to, to, to get you to examine your belief and your understanding of who God is. Have you read the Bible enough to know who he is? We listen to every day Tara Lee Cobble. Any Tara Lee Cobble listeners here? All right. Recently, on our, our daily podcast that we listen to through the Bible, uh, what's it called? Uh, Bible Recap. She said her first time through the Bible, she was angry because she read things that she did not like about the character of God. And she said she nearly stopped reading through the Bible. She said, I, I don't like this God that I'm reading. How is it that you can read the Bible and not like God? You ever done that? Mike, you ever done that? I, want, I, I did it. 
How can that happen? Isn't God good and perfect and great? Isn't he? How can we read the Bible then and say, I don't like this God? It's because we don't know who God is. And when we do read these things, we go, oh, wait, this is not my understanding of who God is. Who is the Lord? And our, our, our Jenga tower it begins to wobble. And we go, oh, no. Oh, hold up, tower. I, I thought I had it built up and was strong, but it's, it's wobbling now and it may fall down. Pharaoh says, who is the Lord? So that's, that's question one. Who is the Lord? If you are not in, like Michael held up this Bible, how do we know who God is? He held up the word of God. He's revealed who he is. And if we don't like it, I got a theological word for you. Tough. God is God. And I'm going to say this and take it for what I mean. God doesn't care what you think. I mean, God cares, yes, but he doesn't care who you want him to be. He is who he is. We don't get to define. When I come to a passage of scripture and I don't like it, either I've interpreted it wrong or I am wrong. Either way, it's my fault. The vast number of unchurched people have a view of God that is inaccurate and wrong. And I don't mean that arrogantly in any way. Not that I'm right. I just mean they don't line up with what the scripture says. And I was one of them. I don't mean that arrogant in any way. I mean it in the fact that it is our job to show people this is the Bible. And this is who God is. Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice? Secondly, what we notice about this passage is Pharaoh found no need to obey God. Y'all know anybody like that? Y'all know anybody who's heard the Bible, who's learned who Yahweh is? When I say Yahweh, I mean God. Three in one God, Yahweh, his name that he gave. There are a lot of people who don't care who God is or what he says. Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice? I've got my own world going on. And I want to, y'all know this. You talk to people every day who think like this. We're going to see people tonight who think like this. What can we do to solve that problem? Well, we can show them who God is. And we can point them to greater resources. I was around church from seventh grade when I was 13, 12, until I was 23. Ten years I had been to church three times a week, every week, just about. I didn't know God like I know him now. So I think there are lots and lots and lots and lots of people who need to read through the scripture and say, who is God? And, and the Ten Commandments is a great, I mean, the, the Ten Plagues is a great place to begin. 
Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. Moreover, I will not let Israel go. I don't care what Yahweh thinks. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. That is the vast majority of the opinions of people on this planet today. I don't care what Yahweh thinks. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Pharaoh just said it out loud. So what is the result of Pharaoh not letting Israel go? What does he do? Y'all know this story. What does he do? He sends what? Ten plagues. And his ten plagues are a message to communicate who he is. Because God loves his people. God cares for his people. And he wants to communicate salvation to his people. And this is the greater message. God is who he is. God does what he does. But he wants to save people. So what does he do to accomplish that? Well... He sends ten plagues. And so let's look at this word plagues. What does the word plague mean? Nate and I listened to a message last night. Where are you, Nate? There you are. We listened to a message last night. And, and the this, this word plague is, is a strike. It is something that is uh, attempted to be, we can think about it in a military way. It is a strike. When, I, when you remember the uh, wars, even the, the conflict that's going on right now, there are military strikes intended for a purpose to do a job. And they may send rockets, they may send a tank, they may send aircraft, whatever it is. It is a strike intended to inflict damage to bring about a purposeful end. Now you can go, some of y'all know World War I, World War II history, you watch these things, uh, the strategy in war back in those days, really neat stuff. But there's always a strategy or greater end for the strike as it took place. You think of storming the beaches of Normandy. There was a greater purpose for that, but that was a strike intended to inflict damage to bring about a purpose. These are the ten plagues of what the Lord was striking the land of Egypt to accomplish his salvific purpose. And so what are those plagues? How does the Lord do it? Well, they are an answering to Pharaoh's question, who is Yahweh? Yahweh is the one who will strike in order to accomplish his salvation. That's what the plagues are. Now, this is a timeless character trait of who God is. The Lord will still strike today. The Lord is a God who uses Things sometimes to damage. We think of Hosea chapter 3 when the Lord, when Hosea cries out, You have wounded us 
that you might heal us. If you don't like that statement, it is from the scripture. And, and I know that that is a hard statement sometimes, that the Lord will wound people. But this is what the scripture teaches us, so we must believe this. So what are the ten plagues? Craig, let's go through our picture list today or right now. These are the ten plagues we want to communicate uh, if we can get that up. <coughs> the ten plagues are, let's see, how, if, how many of you guys remember? What is the first plague? The water turns to blood. The, the Nile River looks like the number one. Do you remember that? Oh, there we go. All right. The Nile River looks like the number one. How about number two? The frogs. Now, Nate taught me one last night. He said, one, two, frogs jumping. Now, that's pretty a little handsome. One, two, frogs jumping. Looks kind of like frog legs. If you ever made the paper frog or the plastic frogs, you can see them. That's pretty good, Nate. Uh, two are the frogs. These were intended to, uh, and, and I made my notes here. Well, let me go back. The, the first one, just briefly. The Nile River was the source of life. It was what brought life to people. And the Lord said, if you're dependent on something else for life, there's a problem. And I'm going to bring death to your life. And he turned the Nile River to blood and all of the animals died. The, the scripture says it stank. That God, uh, it's in uh, Exodus chapter 7, verse 18. The fish in the Nile shall die. The Nile will stink and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. What brought you life is now going to symbolize death because there's greater life that I have to offer. Secondly, the frogs. The frogs were symbolized their gods. One of their gods as well. Uh, and as we see, or as uh, the, familiar with in India, there are cows are a holy animal. Uh, well, the frogs were kind of like that in ancient Egypt. You'll see even jewelry of the frogs. They were represented gods. And what he did was he gave them an annoying influx of what they craved. If you want, you like frogs, Egypt? You, li you like frogs and you want this thing? Here you go. Here's three million of them. I'll give you frogs. And that was God's way of communicating to them with this overly annoying influx of frogs. So who is Yahweh? Uh, the first plague tells us he is our life. Yahweh is a God who brings life, eternal life for us. Second, who is Yahweh because of the frogs? He's bigger and better than the frogs. You can't have too much of Jesus. You could give me three billion Jesus, and I'd be okay with it. Give me three billion frogs, we got a problem. And that doesn't make perfect sense, I know, but you get the idea. You can't have too much of the Lord Jesus Christ. Third plague is what, church? Nets. Nets, all right? So your frogs eat the nets. Nile River Crawling out of that Nile River, think of this story as the frogs, and the frogs are going to start eating gnats. So that is plague number three. The gnats, the King James says lice. Most newer translations use gnats. The magicians could not replicate 
The magicians could not replicate the plague of, of gnats. It was the first one that they, they couldn't do. <coughs> and so the magicians come in and say, this is the finger of God. This is the finger of God. We can't do this. We recognize that there is something greater than all of the gods that we have. This is the finger of God. This is not of a God that we understand or comprehend, Pharaoh. This is the finger of God. So who is Yahweh? He is not like any other God that Egypt knew. You get it? Who is Yahweh? He's the source of life. Who is Yahweh? He is Abundant life. He is good life. We can't be annoyed by too much of God. Thirdly, who is Yahweh? He's like no other God that we know. You, you, Moses and his plagues and God's plagues are answering the question of who is God. When people show up, friends, brothers, sisters, when we meet people, we want to faithfully communicate who is God. And we only know by how God reveals himself, not how we make him to be. Fourthly, here's our story. The Nile River turned to blood and all the frogs got out. And then they started eating the gnats and the gnats, they, they grew up to turn into flies. And so <coughs> plague number four is, is flies. Now, what were the flies? Well, swarms of flies. And I don't know if y'all have ever been around those flies that bite Oh, and I remember last year on our beach trip, we, we went to the beach and there were flies that bit us. How aggravating were these flies? I don't know if they were those, whatever kind of flies they were. Flies, are, you get fly in your house, it's so aggravating. When they lay eggs and there's 30 flies, it's annoying. It's happened. Here's a note. At this point forward, the flies did not, did not mess with the Israelites, the Jewish people. The Hebrews, they did not go to the land of Goshen, which is where they stayed. Now, now, let me connect this for you. As the flies were swarming around in Egypt, there was one plot of land where the Hebrews lived, where God's people lived that had no flies. It was an oasis. And what does that teach us about God? Who is Yahweh? He is a God who cares for his people. Come on, y'all. Christian, you know what this means. God cares for you. He loves you. God is God. The God in heaven who defines everything cares about Belinda. How do we know that? The Bible tells it. Jesus said the numbers of hair on your head are numbered. Are you not of much more value than the sparrows we read this week from Jesus? You are not the most important thing to God, but you are important to God. Can I say it that way? God cares for you. And He cares for His people. And He set them apart to say, I'm going to continue to bless you. But I have to share this. 
The message that is proclaimed culturally today is that God is love and God loves everybody and celebrates everybody. And this, brothers and sisters, is not the message that the Bible teaches. Does God love everybody in some way? Yes. But the Bible is also clear that if you are not in Christ, you are an object of his wrath. Look, these are not my words. These are the words of Jesus in John 3.36. This is the, the message that Jesus preached on judgment. You see, a lot, a lot of times we focus on Jesus' calling of people, and we should rightly so. But we neglect focusing that Jesus talked about eternal judgment more than anybody else in the Bible. And to be fair, to be fair, we must give priority or give emphasis to both of those ideas. Because salvation doesn't mean much when you don't know that there's judgment coming. Now, I made a statement earlier that, that most of this world today has the idea that Pharaoh does. Who is Yahweh? I, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. And, and I think part of that is because people don't understand the wrath that is to come. John Bunyan's famous literary masterpiece, Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim receives this book. And this book tells him judgment is coming. And, and when he receives this book, he cannot help himself. He is distraught. He goes home to his family and he says, look what's happening. This book is telling me there's destruction is coming. I've got to be delivered. And he tells his wife and he tells his children. And they don't care. They go Pharaoh on him. Okay, I'm not going to do anything about it. But, but Christian cannot get past it and his life is transforming he begins this journey to the celestial city to find salvation friends i want to tell you if we as the church of the living god do not communicate the message that jesus saves sinners that repent people will no will not ever seek to come and follow jesus christ the lord it is our job God is God and he will accomplish his purpose, but he's also appointed us as his means to do that. Nobody said amen to that. I better say that again. God is God and he's going to accomplish his purpose, but he has appointed us, the church, to communicate the message of salvation in Jesus Christ the Lord. And we must do this. The Lord sends strike after strike after strike upon Egypt. And in the end, God saves his people. And tonight we get to share that message. Jesus will save any sinner that will repent. We will give out a booklet tonight. I encourage you to take one as well and read it. It, it gives the message of salvation that if you stub your toe, <coughs> it could lead to an infection which could lead to your death, which could lead to you standing before the face of God and Him asking you, 
Why should I let you into my heaven? And what will we say? Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. I do not deserve your heaven, O God, but I love Jesus Christ, your Son. And Jesus will speak for us and say, Father, this one is mine. Bring him in. Let me summarize the message this morning. There are many different views of God that exist in our culture today. And sadly, many of them are are promulgated by churches and so-called Christian books and TV shows. It happens. But there is one book that tells the real truth, and it is the Bible And we must read it to find out who God is. And and when we don't like that, that is one of God's plagues or strikes upon us to conform us back to what is right and good. And when we get our view of God rightly lined up with what he's revealed to us, then we can communicate the message to our family, our friends, our loved ones who need salvation. That Jesus Christ will save those who repent. So church family, I hope that equips us and focuses us this morning to do the work that needs to be done tonight, that needs to be done this week and this year. And, and church, let me ask you one final thing as my time has expired. Please pray. Please pray for the workers Tonight, for the workers in our church, we have a purpose and a, a, a role and a goal for our church. But pray for laborers. We cannot do it without the laborers. We need people willing to take a task to do it for Jesus' sake and to accomplish the, me- the message the work of the message that Jesus will save sinners that repent. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your people here today. Father, thank you for your word and for, for fixing our, our theological problems. God, help us tonight to be faithful, to answer the question, who is Yahweh? Who is the Lord God, may we rejoice in the message that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save sinners that repent from hell. God, we love you. We are humbled before your majesty this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.